one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. All right, intro time. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> hey everybody, and welcome to the Howling Salt Mine podcast. I'm your host, Sam. And as always, I am joined with my two co hosts, Mike and Tony. Say hey, guys. Boy, boy. Yo. <laughs> what was that, Tony? Yeah, what was that, Tony? I was feeling it. No, nah, that was great. I loved that. I loved every. <laughs> All two seconds of it. I'm going to have it different every time. They're going to love it. So good. If you are new to this podcast, this is a podcast where us three Magic the Gathering buddies, and we're also friends outside of Magic the Gathering. (laughs) Exclusively. (laughs) Oh, man. So this is so clean and good. And, you know, we're Commander players. This podcast is all about talking about salt. But Sam, what's salt? Great question, Tony. Salt is a frustration that you feel in magic. Salt is something that happens when things aren't going your way and you're feeling frustrated and you get like flooded with negative emotions. Tilted is another term for it. You just get frustrated and pissy and grumpy and, uh, you know, just become a real stinker for the rest of the game. (laughs) (laughs) And what we're going to do is talk about various posts from the EDH subreddits. Basically, we're we're going into these subreddits. EDH, sometimes we go to like the TCG Magic one, and we are finding posts about salty moments in games, posts about salty cards, salty decks, people being frustrated, group dynamic stuff. And we're taking those posts and we're going to chat about them and make some jokes maybe, maybe give some good advice. Probably not. We'll just kind of chat about them. <laughs> <laughs> all right hit us with our first post i will right now our first post comes to us from difficult feed 3999 if you guys see difficult feed 3999 on the subreddit give them an upvote and this post is called how does everyone feel about breaking political deals in a game <laughs> i can give you a preview we usually don't feel pretty good about this <laughs> uh the post goes Just a little context. One of the guys I regularly play with is notorious for lying about what his deck does, what cards he plays, and breaking deals. And it's kind of ironic because he likes to play the political field of the game. Needless to say, everyone rarely discusses politics with him now. And sometimes when he fucks another person over, the whole table hates him out ASAP. My viewpoint is when you're playing on a Sunday with a bunch of friends casually, I'm going to honor my end of the bargain unless it's a game-winning play. The thing is, when he goes back on a deal, it's 99% of the time not a game-winning play. Just a, I won't attack you if you don't attack me. The other dude has one of his combo pieces out. Let's try to stop him. And instead of going with the agreed-to plan, he'll attack the player he made a deal with. Personally, in a casual game, I find it quite annoying and unenjoyable to play with someone who does this kind of thing frequently. TLDR, friend regularly fucks over other people (laughs) despite making political deals with them. And most of the time, it's just a screw you instead of something that makes logical sense. 
<laughs> this is a uh, this is a good one. <laughs> I feel like friends don't break friends deals. <laughs> and so if I'm playing with friends, I'm I'm never like going back on things. Have I thought about it? Yeah, we all think about it. But like I think the interesting piece is when you start getting into like, oh, you're playing with other people. Now it's testing your morals. Like are mm. are you someone that will go back on a deal with randos? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. My biggest problem with this post, honestly, is that the line, and sometimes when he fucks another person over, the whole table hates him out ASAP. That shouldn't be sometimes. That should be (laughs) every single time. And then the other thing I think you were kind of hinting at, Tony, is like, yeah, it's on this guy for breaking these deals, but it seems like your table recognizes that this is a thing. So I don't understand why anyone is still making deals with him. You know, once you get screwed over by a player making a deal with you and then breaking it once, I think that's the only time that happens. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> exactly. I completely agree. Like it, it's one of those things where if you become a known deal breaker, you just don't get to make deals anymore. It's that classic saying like shame, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. I don't fucking fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> wait, 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 wait! I got it. Are, 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 fool you, me are, once. are you doing the George Bush quote or the, uh, the actual <laughs> version? <laughs> fool me once, shame on you. Fool me hey. twice, shame on me. That's there we it. go. Fool me three times, shame, shame, shame. Oh, there's a third. No, there isn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> there isn't the J. Cole song that quotes the George Bush quote. <laughs> <laughs> you know this kind of stuff obviously super salt inducing when you have someone who is reneging on these deals most magic the gathering commander players know that there is a huge political element to these games and we're not talking about like you know democrat republican politics we're talking about like deal making you know satisfying the needs of one person to accomplish a shared goal <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> as mike waggles his eyebrows at me um hey that could be a deal dude you never know give you give you a sweet kiss if you if you destroy like tony's right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a huge piece of the game i can't think of the last time i played a commander game at a casual power level where deals weren't being made at the table right so if you are taking advantage of that kind of you know sort of like it's kind of an unwritten rule of the game if you're really taking advantage of that and screwing people over they're going to get salty and they're going to hate you out of the table and you're probably going to have a bad time yeah for sure and i think like within our own pod like people make deals that are bad like we totally just it don't make any sense and yeah. it'll leave someone in in a situation where they're like well i've made deals with everyone so i can't attack but they just that's what they do like they lose out of value they whatever to avoid drawing the salt up because that's totally what it does and like as soon as you break a deal again everyone in the pot is like up oh, fuck that guy he bre- he's a deal breaker can't trust him and then they're just like screwed the rest of the game the rest of the day even like yeah i was gonna say sometimes it'll translate over into the follow-on <laughs> games that we have <laughs> it's extra funny when we play a casual game first and someone breaks a deal and then like in cdh they're just getting targeted by every counter spell because it's like <laughs> this wasn't supposed to last it's like it doesn't matter so uh so what do we think guys what's the salt rating here you know i i don't think that there's a lot of salt in this post you know, th- this is a very like nicely worded post, but you can you can feel the salt behind it. You know, sometimes we read posts on here and the person is just like ranting. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes we read posts on here and somebody was clearly like so pissed off. In this one, it's definitely a little tame, but you can tell that this is like a repeated pattern that it's frustrating. You know, it's frustrating to have that happen. And even more frustrating if it's a good friend of yours who is just constantly fucking you over. It's like, come on, man, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, it feels kind of like when you like fry a, a scallop and when you're done, you just Ooh. put a little dusting of salt on the top give you that taste that tang <laughs> I, I was gonna say it's sort of like when you know when they used to use salt to preserve things the salt here is is in the past it's not an active current salt oh, uh, yeah, but it, it was a historic salt that happened here yeah there's a remnant of that salty mm-hmm. tang mm-hmm. on the uh it's lingering <laughs> <laughs> all right how about we uh we hop into another one guys Hell please yeah. sweet This one is called Playing with a Poor Sport. And this comes to us from user Cheffa09. And Cheffa09, if you guys see Cheffa, give him an upvote. And they say, hey, everyone, I just got into Commander in the last few months, thanks to a coworker who got me back into Magic. He retaught me everything and showed me Commander. And eventually I built my own deck around Marieki, Marieki Re-Barrett. And a lot of untap tap controlly things i'm very new in commander but i caught on fast and beat him and he used two different decks and the second win he raged and took his cards mid-game and walked away it was supposed to just be fun 1v1 commander am i missing something isn't the point of this game to win (laughs) he's beaten me countless times until i tweaked my deck Hmm. (laughs) so there's a few things with this obviously 1v1 commander is often extremely imbalanced. Yeah, I mean, this brings me back to the days where Tony and I used to be roommates and, and we would we would like go play with our decks that were tuned for four-way commander and we'd sit down and play like a 1v1. And that was the only time that like my Brian deck ever got kills because <laughs> I would just like manage to steal one thing, throw it at him and then like win off of the life differential. It is interesting. We don't see a lot of people talking about 1v1 Commander, and it's just definitely like a weird format. But it's also even more the point where like in four-way Commander, I think there's a lot more space for people to be exploring interesting interactions and trying to do something in their deck that isn't just winning. Uh, in a 1v1 scenario, it's really hard in my mind to to do anything but gear towards that slightly more competitive angle. Yeah, and and to that same point, Mike, I mean, having other players around you, interaction gets spread around, you know, you're not always the focus. If someone gets too powerful, you have two other people to balance it out. I mean, there's a, it's a reason why it's a four-player format. It just gives balance. Whereas in 1v1, often you can just be completely overpowered by a specific commander or a specific strategy. I mean, we should mention it. If you do truly want to play 1v1 commander, dual commander, sometimes called French commander, there is a specific... there's a specific list of banned cards arabo roar of the world is banned like a bunch of random cards i think rafik is super banned it's a bunch of random cards that are banned because they're just oppressive but hey why is marieki reburit oppressive should we read about that card yeah that's another commander i just don't know so marieki reburit maybe I'm saying that wrong, is a three mana value commander in Esper. So that's white, blue, and black. 
It's a legendary human, is a 1-1, and it has the following ability text. Marieki Reburit doesn't untap during your untap step. Important to know. And then it has a tap ability, gain control of target creature as long as you control Marieki. When Marieki leaves play or becomes untapped, destroy that creature. It can't be regenerated. Oh yeah, why why is that oppressive? Hmm? She may seem familiar. <laughs> so this is a card that you play when you want to steal other people's shit <laughs> and then destroy that stuff. So basically you're taking your opponent's best creatures. Uh, maybe you're doing something with them. You're killing them. You're in black. Maybe you're sacrificing them to effects. You have blue and white as well. So there's probably tap and untap shenanigans. So you're taking tons of creatures. And this person says that they have a lot of tap and untap controly things. Even a couple of those, if you're taking one to two creatures from your opponent each turn in a 1v1, like there's no way you're going to be able to build up enough momentum to, to really fight back. Yeah, and, and I like that he's mentioned, rather this player has mentioned specifically that their opponent has beaten them multiple times until they tweaked their deck. So like this is also this instance where this, this player has finely tuned their deck into beating this other guy's one or two decks maybe. Yeah, and, and I want to point out a comment. Marieki can be a bit oppressive in a 1v1 setting. Stealing opponent's things is one of those things that players can get a bit extra upset over. And it, it really is true, you know, stealing your opponent's cards. It's not quite mass land destruction levels of salt, but it is a similar level of like just fucking with someone's lands where mm -hmm. it's like, hey, you're messing with my board, my game plan. I'm seeing you, you know, dance with my girlfriend at the sock hop. <laughs> <laughs> it's extra painful when it's your commander too, because... It's like one of the few places your commander can be that you can't recast it. You know, you, you don't get access to it again. Totally. And if Marieki is just on the board untapped, you don't even want to recast your commander into it because it's just going to get taken and destroyed. I can see how this would be really salt inducing. So uh, so what do we think the salt rating is then here for, for these folks, these gentle creatures? Of the interwebs. I don't think this is a super salty story. You know, I think this is a tale of somebody who is playing a deck and may not really understand how frustrating that kind of situation can be, especially mm -hmm. in a 1v1 format. You got to be really careful about what type of deck you're bringing to the table when you're playing somebody. You know, I'd give this maybe like a quarter shaker, maybe just like a little salt packet that you get, you know, <laughs> yeah. like a takeout place. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, if my fries came with this much salt, I'd add some more of my own because this wouldn't <laughs> this wouldn't be enough for me. Especially because it's like a new player. I think he's just the he just doesn't know the any imagery better. Is so, the imagery is so good. Yeah. Yeah, they they just don't know any better. And no one's that upset. He's kind of just saying, Yeah, you might be missing the point if this is just like some over lunch magic at work or something so i don't know i think pretty minimal salt going on here yep definitely but a, but a funny post nonetheless and a really great segue into our next section what was the what was the snappy name we had for it it's the salt breakdown oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah guys we're going to be doing a salt breakdown we're going to be breaking down one of our salty decks one of the decks that our pod plays that makes us salty and frustrated. And the reason why this is such a great segue is, Tony, why don't you tell us about your deck and your commander and what they do? 
so uh <laughs> quick preface before we get into this so the reason i went to build Read this the card tony <laughs> i've got to i've got to we're going to get we're going to get there but the reason i built this deck was because i like powerful commanders and powerful things and so i was building unintentionally oppressive decks and so i was like i got a great idea i like building like janky weird templated cards and i told myself this will be a fun great concept just as like some background tony has a long history in our crew of building a new deck and just absolutely smashing all of us into the ground with it and we're like dude why are you why are you crushing us so often? So with this deck, he was like, you know, I'm going to do something different. I remember you and I had a big conversation about it before you made it. And you're like, I think it's going to be really good. And I think people are going to really like it. And so <laughs> with that, I will read the commander. Their commander is Rubinia Soul Singer. She is a green, blue, white, two colorless. You may choose not to untap Rubinia Soul Singer during your untap phase. Tap, gain control of target Familiar. creature. Lose control of target creature if Rubinia leaves play. If you lose control of Rubinia or if Rubinia becomes untapped. And so my idea for the deck was tribal. You may choose to not untap. And just to clarify the Oracle text of that on the updated version of the card, it's just a tap ability that says gain control of target creature for as long as you control Rubinia and Rubinia remains tapped. So very similar effect to Marieki. Yeah, the only main difference being that Rubinia does not also destroy the creature uh, once it would lose control. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that, so I thought about building Marieki, but then I was like, that's mean. Everyone's going to hate me. That's did. really bad. And, and so <laughs> I, I told myself, like, this would be great. There's a lot of, like, really weird cards that do this similar type of an effect. Giant Oyster, Callus Oppressor, Sand Squid, like, literally all the same templating. But... I told myself, oh, I can choose to untap them. I'll have untap abilities so that I can give people things back. And so the thing that I kind of quickly realized as I was playing the deck is anything that was worth stealing was not really something worth giving back to my opponents, <laughs> sadly speaking. Yeah, so this concept, like you're saying, was you're stealing the creatures, but you can also give them back. So you, you're stealing them temporarily. Maybe you're stealing... You're swinging in with a big creature, then you give it back to Mike or something. But often the way it would go is you would keep the creature or like sacrifice it to an effect or, you know, swing it at somebody so it would die or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and that's actually a good uh, a good segue into one of the sort of categories of cards that I have yeah, here. Yeah, let's talk about and it. And that is cards that have an ability to sack the creatures that I have stolen, <laughs> which is probably a slightly salt-inducing way to play this deck. But uh, one of them that I think is kind of interesting is Synod Sanctum. It's an artifact for one colorless. as the ability to pay to tap, remove target permanent you control from the game. Pay two, sacrifice Synod Sanctum, return to play under your control all cards removed from the game with Synod Sanctum. And so mm -hmm. a lot of older or newer cards, I should say, uh, when you blink them and, and bring them back into play, they go back into the control of the, the owner of the card. This card is one of the few cards that sort of goes around that phrasing. And so... I really steal everybody's shit. <laughs> Permanently. Yeah. 
Yeah, you get around that Rubinia clause that you have to give it back. You, you basically say, hey, it's gone. And now it's now it's mine under a completely different effect. And I just get it for the rest of the game and you never get it back. What a cool card. <laughs> what a cool deck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've gotten that one off on you guys in a game or not, but I think that's that certainly one out. that that brings some salt. I'm also super partial to anything that has the remove from game templating rather than just putting it in exile. Yeah. I think uh, the concept of something being out of the game is way funnier to me. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, the next one that I think is, is kind of interesting is Helm of Possession. So this is an, this is an old card. Four mana for an artifact. Uh, you may choose to not untap Helm of Possession during your untap phase. Again, tribal, you may choose to not untap. You can pay two, tap it, and sacrifice a creature. Gain control of target creature as long as you control Helm of Possession and the Helm remains tapped. What an awful leapfrog. Like, you're just, <laughs> you already have one of my creatures. Then you're sacking the creature of mine that you already have to take another creature of mine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only thing worse than Tony stealing your creature and getting to at least watch him do something cool with it is Tony stealing your creature and then immediately throwing it in the trash, yeah. which is what this card does 90% of the time. <laughs> yeah, it, I'll, I'll just mention him. I won't go into the detail, but there's two other cards in the deck that do a similar effect. Jalira, Master Polymorphist, and Prime Speaker Vanifar. And both of those cards will sack a creature, but have a little bit more of a tutor aspect or go get another creature out of my deck aspect to them. So they're kind of an interesting piece as well. Yeah, um, Vanifar is the uh, the classic birthing pod on legs. One of the funniest things here is that we talked about how you deliberately didn't build Mariaki, and then you really just built Mariaki with more steps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it, it's still a little unique to it because those effects exist in the deck totally, but there's much less of them. Uh, generally speaking, I'm just hanging on to people's stuff and doing like weird things with them. It's a definitely a unique deck. We're not arguing that it's not a unique <laughs> deck, but it has been built with a specific intention to it. <laughs> I, I think it's sort of the nature of like when you start to build this deck, all the things that make sense just sort of drive in a direction that truly weren't intended at the time, but we definitely got there. <laughs> you know, salt aside... I think that that strategy makes a ton of sense. You're taking people's resources, you're using those as your own resources, denying them their creatures, using their creatures to power your costly abilities. Like the abilities like Prime Speaker Vanifar and, uh, you know, some of those like Helm of Possession, normally you're losing for Helm of Possession, maybe you're sacking a token. For Prime Speaker, because it's a mana value based ability, you're generally sacking something like of value on your board to get something else out of your deck. So it does make a lot of sense to build a deck this way. For sure. For this next category, we'll talk about two cards that I think generally bring a lot of salt because they, they have an effect that is just like gain control of someone's creature permanently. Agent of Treachery. I think it's a pretty well-known one, but it's blue, blue, and five. When it enters a battlefield, gain control of target permanent. At the beginning of your end step, if you control three or more permanents you don't own, draw three cards. So uh, some people will use this card to like blink it and get a whole bunch of different permanents. But in general, mm -hmm. for me, I can play it once and like gain the value because I'll generally have people's creatures. Yeah, super good in this deck. Yeah. And then another one is Beguiler of Wills. 
This is blue, blue, and three for a human wizard that says gain control of target creature with power less than or equal to the number of creatures you control. And so in general, in Rubinia, I tend to get a little wide because I've got a bunch of like kind of nothing creatures, but in Commander, there's usually a lot of things that are just out on the battlefield that are true value pieces for, for various decks. And with this, I can take most things off the board when it when it lands and it's down. Especially when I play cards like Crashing Drawbridge because that'll give all my creatures haste and I'll be able to do these effects like much more rapidly like the turn something comes down. Only uh, only, only two cards in this category, Tony? There's, <laughs> there's not a third card in this category? Well, so I was going to get to uh, the, the saltiest card of the deck, <laughs> which also is the best <laughs> card of the deck, sadly. <laughs> the, the most appropriately named card in all of Magic the Gathering is a Will Breaker. So this is—it's <laughs> blue, blue, and three. Whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes the target of a spell or ability you control, gain control of that creature for as long as you control Willbreaker. And so once this hits the board, uh, usually I'm in a state in which I can just choose to use one of my many tap or untap effects to tap opponents' creatures, which then gives me control of them <laughs> that's a funny way of saying that usually you're in a state where the rest of the table concedes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the first the first time i really played this deck this happened <laughs> like i didn't expect it to like very much so kind of wombo comboed i had a lot of these pieces and i got will breaker out and i took everything from everyone's board and it pretty quickly got to a state where no one could do anything and the thing that felt bad about it was that I didn't win through combat damage or anything. I won for, I think it was our first full concession in casual. I won because everyone conceded because I didn't want to (laughs) play. I remember that game vividly because it sucked ass. (laughs) I feel like there was cool interactions, but it was like, that. that's all that people remember, right? The only thing people remember is when Will Breaker (laughs) came down, it was not fun anymore, and it it generated excessive amounts of salt. (laughs) Yep. Why don't you read us the uh, the notes from that game, Sam? For listeners that don't know, we we track our games in a uh, spreadsheet. Each time we play, we take some notes and write, you know, who the saltiest person was, who won, the turn order, things like yeah. that. Yeah. In a future episode, I'll really talk about it, but I've been like taking these friggin' turn by turn notes <laughs> in <laughs> such meticulous detail. <laughs> for like two years now oh god and i just can't stop now that i have it going i just can't stop anyway so this game happened on august 11th 2021 an auspicious day so we conceded (laughs) on turn eight after tony got his will breaker out he started gaining control of all of our commanders and then the writing was on the wall at the time mike was playing brian our fourth mysterious pod member nick was playing adrix and nev and i was playing my alesha human tribal deck And this is a specific deck, so I think we have talked about this before, that one of the things that we track in our games is the saltiest baby of the game. We make jokes about who's being salty and kind of make light of it. But also, when your salt is being tracked, you don't necessarily want to be the saltiest person, so you kind of start to like curb that stuff. But anyways, in this game, Nick was the saltiest baby. And what I remember was that the game ended and Nick basically went off on how Rubinia sucks and just theft <laughs> decks in general are trash and tony is a piece of shit for making one and man it was as the note says it's a long lasting salt yeah 
<laughs> Tony loves it. He's laughing the right thing now. Is like, I don't like. I do remember feeling bad. My <laughs> intent making the deck was to do the opposite of what I Which did. Which is wild uh, to me. And I, it is wild to me that you're like, <laughs> people are gonna love this deck. <laughs> well, I think again, the playstyle is not what I expected. Yeah. Right? And like, I'd never played a deck like this before, and that was the biggest thing. I was like, I can give the stuff back easily because I'll have the ability to do it. But what I didn't realize is, again, like anything worth taking is not something you're going to want to give back. And e- even if the other two players want you to not give back a Blightsteel that somebody has, right? The Blightsteel player who had it is upset that he can't use his card, right? That he's played it, he's put resources into it, and it's just like sitting there useless on, on the other person's side of the board. I will note that I don't think Rubinia has won any games since that one. Well, it, it yeah, because I feel like I haven't played that many of, of them <laughs> with it. But it's also, um, in general, it, it really isn't that powerful. That is a very powerful combo. Once Woolbreaker is out and doing the thing, it's just that, like, I happened into it. Like, I don't have consistency built into it. I don't have a ton of, like, like green has a lot of tutor for creatures. Uh, and, and I just don't run any of that. My intent is to happen into a weird fucking giant oyster that like costs four mana to do the same effect that Rubinia does, right? You know, I, I think it is worth saying that this deck isn't, this isn't a high power deck. Like you look at the composition of it, you know, some people point to the dollar value. That's not really like a great indicator, but it kind of is. It's not like a super expensive deck. It's 260 bucks. I mean, and some of that is caught up in like a couple random reserve list cards like Preacher that take up like a third of that cost. And and some nice lands and stuff. The nicest land is Ice Flow, if you want to read oh, that. Oh, yeah. Back, boy. So Ice Flow. Oh, wow. What is this? A 24-cent a <laughs> land, Ice Flow. You may choose not to untap Ice Flow during your untap phase. It also has tap. Tap target creature without flying that is attacking you. As long as Ice Flow remains tapped, that creature does not untap during its controller's untap phase. It's pretty sweet. Notably... Notably, that card does not produce mana. Oh my god, yeah. It's just a weird utility layer. And so all it does is like weird sort of pacify effect, but it's like only met under so many circumstances. However, it has the text, you may choose to not untap during your untap phase. And so it made it into the deck. I I think it's really interesting that some of the, the saltiest times that this deck came and showed up in our pod were the earliest times where it showed up. And I think this is a pretty common thing that we find is once we know that a deck makes us really upset, we just target it, you know? (laughs) If if someone's playing a deck you don't like, you just hit it with more removal, you keep it kind of stuffed down. And it's just a bit of once you're playing something you know makes people a little grumpy, you just have to accept that you're going to take some hits like that because on the merits of, well, I know what that deck can do. Totally. When I, and this might be a future Salty deck tech, when I play my Marisi Breaker of the Coil deck, my goading deck, I know I will be the arch enemy that game and it'll be an uphill battle. Like I just know, yeah. I know it. I, the deck is built to account for that. I know it's going to happen <laughs> and I can't get frustrated. I have to be like, all right, like I signed up for this when I bought, brought this deck out. Like this is going to be the game. And for us, I think that's probably the signature identifying feature of our salty decks the table has a reaction when you pull it out like if i go to reach for rubinia 
everyone's like, uh, or like I'm changing my deck or like, yeah, there's a physical response for sure. <laughs> I know we usually do salty ratings for posts, but I think it'd be interesting to hear how salty we feel this deck is for me. This deck is super salty. I hate this fucking deck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really enjoy playing against it. I think all the salt it gets is completely justified. I will play against it, but I will whine when it happens. <laughs> Mike? Yeah, I think this is a... I think the deck itself is a pretty medium salt deck, but I think my experience with it is a very high salt situation. Tony, how do you feel about your own deck? If you had to play <laughs> against this deck... How would you feel? I mean, I, I truly, I feel like a part of why I don't play it that much is because I felt bad. I won the game <laughs> and I felt bad. So I feel like anytime that happens, you know that it's like... That guilt. Yeah, I've just like upset my pod. <laughs> like That is what <laughs> happened. Like I won, interesting things happened, but the way it ended was just so bad that I was like... <laughs> What have I done? It's like that post we talked about a few episodes ago where that person left the game and is like, I feel so guilty and reached out to their friend and was apologizing. You know, sometimes the the salt just washes over you and, and you're just sopping wet and sulking. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you're still waiting for that apology from Tony. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Well... Should we do the saltiest card of the week? I think it's time, guys. <laughs> I sure hope it's time. Mike, hit us with that saltiest card of the week. All right. Here's our saltiest card of the week. It is our first creature Ooh. to show up on our list, which is exciting. Wow. And it is Urza, Lord High Artificer. It is two and blue, blue. When Urza, Lord High Artificer, enters the battlefield, create a 0-0 colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact you control. It also has tap and untapped artifact you control, add blue, and five, shuffle your library, then exile the top card. Until end of turn, you may play that card without paying its mana cost, and it is a 1-4. So, as we always do, Tony, how salty would this card make you? You know, interestingly enough, this actually doesn't generate that much salt for me. It's the style of deck that it's played in that generates salt for me. But the card itself, I don't really care that much about. But, like, this type of card, like, is in just freaking stacks-heavy winter orb decks and things like that. As you we were reading it, I, that's actually immediately what I went to. I was like, it's it's the styles of deck. It's not the card itself is it annoying that it's another fucking blue one card win like you can just do the whole deck around that infinite mana you just freaking win yeah that's annoying i don't know in general i'd say that what bothers me is the style of deck not the actual card where does this live on the list so we've skipped around a little bit on the list and kind of grouped a couple things. This ranks in at rank 12. That's actually higher than I would have guessed. I think I definitely would have pegged it to be a little bit lower. Mm -hmm. I think it's up there for exactly why you're saying, Tony. It's no coincidence that Winter Orb and Static Orb are super high up on this list and Urza is trailing right behind. Most high power to CDH Urza decks are running the orbs. They're running heavy stacks. You know, things like, I think like Trinisphere is similar and can be turned off when you tap it. There's a lot of these old artifact abilities. Kind of goes back to like the original days of Magic, where many artifacts were 
on when they were untapped and turned off when they were tapped. And some of those cards, you know, have been reprinted and still exist and are still played today. And Urza can kind of make use of those weird effects by choosing when to have them on or tapping them and turning them off. And then, you know, you're using your own untapped step and making things asymmetrical. It just ends up being this kind of stacks lockout. And like Tony said, it's it's also got an infinite mana outlet in it. And it's blue. It's mono blue. So you're you got all the great counter spells. You got all the great interaction in there. Fuck blue. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So then for me, yeah, I, I kind of agree with both of what you guys have said. I don't think it's the card itself. I think it's the situation that it shows up in. I think a lot of the reason that this card might be showing up so high on the salt score here is that it just came stapled with so much text right at the point where Wizards was really starting to deploy like just a ton of commander product and a ton of new legendaries. And I think that Urza is sometimes hoisted up as this card of look at how much text they're willing to add to a card. Look at how many abilities and effects they're willing to add to a card here. You know, it's a full paragraph of card text to read and all of it is relevant. I, I think that is an, one extra dimension of what added to the saltiness that this card imbues into everyone's play path. I mean, it really does embody like the pushed card design that a lot of people complain about. I mean, it's a four mana creature that just does so much and generates mana and generates card advantage. It's just a lot for a single commander to have. Yeah, I think that's it for the uh, the salt card of the week. Awesome. Then. Thanks, Mike. And that is it for our episode, folks. So um, we're going to head over to our cleanup phase, cleanup step, hey. end phase. I'll edit one of those and delete the others. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Reddit. Our username is the Howling Salt Mine all one word, and you can email us at our Gmail, howlingsaltmine at gmail.com. Please send us your salty stories, stories where you maybe you were salty, you were fully brined, overcome by the salt, feeling that sulky, salty guilt the next day. Or maybe you did something really dope and you made your friend feel that way and you want to brag about it. <laughs> you can tell us that too. So yeah, send in your stories if you got them and keep them short, sweet, and to the salt. And as always, stay salty and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the Howling Salt leave a scryfall tab open for these searches i really should oh yeah i'm, I'm probably making you sad with my googling you're hurting me <laughs> you're causing me physical pain <laughs>